Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast interview. We are previewing Texas at Kansas State, and we're doing it with John Kurtz of the KC Sports Network, and you can follow him on YouTube at John Kurtz, or just look up John Kurtz and subscribe to his uh, YouTube episodes. But John, you've covered K-State a long time, and uh, Texas is getting maybe the hottest version of the Wildcats after a 48 to 0 victory over the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the same Oklahoma State Cowboys who came back and defeated the Texas Longhorns in Stillwater the week before. Your thoughts? Yeah, it was well, I appreciate you guys having me first of all. It was it was crazy and pretty unexpected because the mood was uh very somber coming out of the TCU game, not not really just because of the loss, but it was because of the injury toll that, that came along with it. I mean, obviously, most people saw Adrian Martinez not be able to give it a go after the first series. And then Will Howard, who played great, got knocked out of the game for a little while, too. And they had to go to a third string quarterback. But I thought the biggest injury that K-State suffered was Daniel Green, who's an all Big 12 middle linebacker. And he went out and that's when TCU started picking them apart offensively. And there's just a, a number of injuries K-State had across the board. Julius Brent's first team all Big 12 uh, corner was out for a while there too. Josh Hayes, their best safety. So it just felt like, hey, this team is is too beat up. Deuce Vaughn went to the locker room for part of the TCU game. So it just felt like the walking wounded going into a, a game against Oklahoma State uh, in which it, it sort of had that feeling like, hey, did K-State just lose twice with that game to TCU? And uh, man, they came out with a week to, to game plan around some of the issues at linebacker, even after losing another one in practice to for the season uh, leading up to the Oklahoma State game. Schemed around it, got some young guys in there, and just completely shut down the the Oklahoma State offense. And then Will Howard continued to do what he did against TCU, which is a, a crazy story because he had to play very early in his career in 2020, uh, frankly, just too young to be thrown into the position that he was. But Skylar Thompson went out for the year, and uh, so fans kind of formulated this opinion that he was never going to be anything. And, and he stuck it out, even with Adrian Martinez coming in, and got his time to shine on Saturday, which was awesome to see. And just gives – K-State, a totally new element to the offense. I mean, they they struggled throwing, passing the ball the entire Chris Kleiman tenure. I mean, for years, really. Back to Tyler Lockett, this team has not been able to throw the ball very well. Uh, but they they did it as well as they have in, in the past eight years since Lockett left town. With with Howard on Saturday, Malik Knowles was great. Finally looking like a, a potential All-Big 12 receiver, which is what people have felt like he could be for a long time. And uh, just everything was rolling. K-State's had problems at kicker, and kicking looked great on Saturday. I mean, it was one of those days where just – Anything that could go wrong did for Oklahoma State, and K-State was absolutely on fire. So I think now it, it gets you obviously right back into the, the thick of the Big 12 race, and you sort of reset and say, all right, what, 
what team is going to show up the rest of the year? What do you do at quarterback the rest of the season if Adrian Martinez is going to be healthy coming up this week? So there's still plenty of questions, but you know, for one Saturday, everything was was pretty perfect in Manhattan. Yeah, and I, I, we'll get to Will Howard and Adrian Martinez in a second. Texas fans remember Will Howard and maybe if he had a different offensive coordinator last year, um, maybe the outcome is a little different in that game. But let's go back to the uh, – I think it was the first drive for Kansas State. They have a fourth and five. They get a penalty. Now they have fourth and ten. They're in Oklahoma State territory about the 30 and they go for it on fourth and 10 and score a touchdown that seemed a little out of character for Chris Kleiman what what was going on there was he trying to send a message to his team that hey we're we're going for broke yeah I love that you point out that play because I to me you know I mean a 48 to nothing game it's hard to single out one play and say hey this this was really the key to the game in case they was probably going to win no matter what but that was the tone setter. And I mean, if things go differently there, uh, I could imagine that game turning into more of a dogfight than it did. Uh, I think there are a couple of things at play there. I mean, one a perfect example of just how the day went Deuce Vaughn of all people is who got the false start penalty to make it fourth and 10 instead of fourth and five, a guy who never messes up the details. Um, and so you're thinking like, man, what is that? But K-State corrects and, and gets the touchdown the next play. I think there's part of that. Part of it is that they were in kind of no man's land. I think that was like around the 38 yard line. So, um, in that position, it's a tough one anyway. And K-State's had all sorts of problems, as I mentioned, at kicker. So there was no way they were going to kick a field goal. Um, and I think climate is is starting to come around. I mean, you're seeing the game of football sort of evolve to where everybody is much more open toward going for it on fourth down. And climate has been moving that way steadily. In fact, I thought he, he probably made a mistake once or twice against TCU and going for it on fourth down. So he, he seems to be coming along. But I think also, like to, to your point, it, it is about setting a tone. And I think the the play that they called, like the route that they called, throwing deep to Cade Warner in the end zone, was fairly emblematic of that too. And and Chris Kleiman said after the game, Colin, K State's offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, had a play that he really liked there, and and obviously it worked. Um, credit to Will Howard too, who had to kind of slide in the pocket, set his feet, and then just throw a, an absolute dime in the end zone to Cade Warner. So I think a, a little bit of of everything, just position where you're at on the field, trying to send a message. And K State's had all sorts of problems with the kicking game this year, and. Hey, worked out perfectly, set the tone, and, and K-State didn't look back from there. Well, Will Howard, who was, you know, through for, what, almost 300 yards and four touchdowns and just looked comfortable in rhythm, um, and he looked good against TCU before he was injured in that game. I mean, is this all just Colin Klein as his offensive coordinator? And now there's questions about whether to preserve his red shirt or not. Because, well, you tell us what the status of that red shirt is, because it sounded like uh, in listening to Will Howard after the game that the plan was to preserve the red shirt this year. But tell us, you know, what the status is of that and how he seems to be thriving with Colin Klein. Yeah, going into the year, that was the idea and what they were talking about wanting to to be able to preserve the red shirt, because last year, actually, I believe it was the Texas game that uh, eliminated him from being able to, to use that because they just had to play him. Uh, at quarterback. And so, you know, for his career sake, it seemed like that's what he wanted to do, even though, you know, even these days, that's, that's becoming a little bit antiquated in college football to think about that. But um, understandably, if you can, you'd like to do it. Um, I think at this point, it's probably just going to come down to, hey, what do we need to do to win this game? I mean, you're chasing a, a potential Big 12 championship here, something K-State hasn't won since 2012. So uh, I think no matter what, it's going to be, hey, what, what do we need to win this game? And I'm sure Will Howard would 
would uh, agree with that and be in the same kind of boat. So, you know, we'll see, but it'll be very interesting uh, how they're going to handle it this weekend and even beyond uh, with Adrian's injury situation as to who is going to play. I think his improvement, I mean, Colin Klein certainly is a part of it. Um, and really, to me, the biggest impact Colin made early on as an offensive coordinator was just recruiting wise. They, they were finding, uh, recruiting their own roster. Uh, Malik Knowles, I think, probably would have left if Courtney Messingham were still the offensive coordinator. Um, Avery Johnson, who is K State's best quarterback recruit, and probably going back to Josh Freeman, um, who's going to be coming in next year. He committed largely because of Colin Klein, um, really rebuffing some major, major interest from programs across the country to do so. Um, but I think you're seeing him modernize the offense a little bit, be more willing to be creative, throw the ball more. Um, Courtney Messingham was, you know, I mean, look, K-State fans lost at that Texas game last year um, with some of what he was doing. So I'm sure Texas fans are a little bit familiar with that, more conservative sort of approach, what they were doing at, at North Dakota State. But I think the biggest thing with Will is he just – people formulated opinions about him when he got thrown into the fire too early. I mean, first year in the program, Skylar Thompson goes out. They're just in a pinch. They have to throw him in there. Um, he, he struggles mightily. People think, all right, well, this kid is, is not going to be it. But really, you know, a lot of some quarterbacks can come in four or five star kids and, and play right away and be effective right away. Will was always going to be a developmental guy. He was a three star prospect, Gatorade player of the year in Pennsylvania, but kind of a mid-level recruit. That's always a guy that's going to take some time, right? Raw tools. Uh, he certainly has some size and some skills, but it was going to take time for him to develop. So I think he just got unfairly judged. And then it got in his head. So he starts playing some last year when Skyler gets knocked out for a little bit. And what you kept hearing from the coaches, they were talking about practice will. You know, practice will is great. Practice will is awesome. I think basically what we're seeing now, but he couldn't put it out there on the field. And you could just see the wheels turning in his head at times. I think it just kind of got into his head. And if he would make a mistake, it would compound pretty quick because he's for two years heard and seen all these negative things about him uh, and just experienced a lot of failure on the field. So I think it's just a matter of a kid growing and maturing combined with, yeah, probably an offensive coordinator that's helping him out a little bit and just coming into his own. But most recruits don't get exposed or most kids that early in their career are not going to get exposed the way he did because of necessity for K-State. So I think I think that's really a lot of what you're seeing. And I would credit Chris Kleiman for sticking by him as a huge reason for that. He's always been a very vocal proponent of him. In fact, he really made the fan base mad by calling Will Howard the best backup quarterback in the country last year uh, after the Stanford game and then immediately course he has to go in and then struggle some so fans are like you know I mean, what is what is climbing doing saying this well he was sticking by his guy and will howard didn't transfer in a day and age where you know i think most people probably would in the situation that he was in and now here he is winning huge games for k-state when they need him uh because of the injury to adrian martinez yeah texas fans remember will howard running down the sideline uh for about a 71 yard run last year got a couple of texas defenders benched on that play um, but he sure looks uh, game. Will Howard sure looked comfortable. Um, not only the fourth down touchdown pass, but two third down touchdown passes. So delivering, you know, when he absolutely had to. Um, and you know, Deuce Vaughn looked healthier. How would you describe it, John? Yeah, healthier and and really, I think more than anything, he just had more room to operate. And I think a lot of that is a byproduct of what K-State's doing, throwing the ball. Uh, there, there was a stretch uh, beginning of conference play where the offensive line, I think, was was struggling, leaving something to be desired. They, they lost a potential All-Big 12 guard in, in Taylor Portier, uh, first game of the season. It's the second straight year he's gone out with a season-ending injury. Um, which is which is really tough and feel for him. But that seemed to set the offensive line back for a while. Uh, so I think they have improved, but it's also just 
it's much easier for Deuce Vaughn to find room to operate when you're throwing the ball the way K-State was from, from the get-go against Oklahoma State. I, I just think that has added such a different element to the offense. It loosens things up because Deuce was having a hard time. Deuce really for about three weeks had seemed a little bit hobbled. And after the TCU game even, I mean, um, just heard reports of him leaving, leaving limping. Um, which is probably, you know, a lot of players are going to do that in general, but that had people pretty concerned going into this game. But had some big holes, still has the the breakaway speed when he gets a little bit of a, a crease, and uh, that was that was vintage Deuce Vaughn with over 150 yards on Saturday. So uh, right now, I mean, and that's knock on wood, as banged up as K-State came out of the TCU game, it was the total inverse of that against Oklahoma State. I mean, they, I, at least to my knowledge, no real injury issues to speak of at all coming out of that game. So it seemed – as odd as it is, like a get right to actually play a game as opposed to come off a bye week. Because the bizarre part about the TCU game is case they had a bye week the week before. And the narrative was, well, they're getting healthy. I guess it's come, but it's come now a, a week later um, with, with the way that it appears right now. And I, I think Deuce is on track. He's tough. I mean, he's as tough as they come, as durable as they come for as small as he is, which is one of the most uh, incredible things about him. Because you, you look at his runs, I mean, a lot of that's between the tackles. Like people would look at Deuce with his size and think, He's just going to be a, a gadget guy, throw it out to him in the flat. No, he runs between the tackles and runs between the tackles as well as as almost anybody in the country. I mean, maybe anybody in the country not named Bijan Robinson. So um, I, I think Deuce, Deuce is kind of back on track and feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, K-State runs a lot of uh, inside zone, a lot of counter power stuff. I think Texas needs to run more of with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson instead of all the outside zone or the heavy emphasis on the outside zone. But – um, we did see a couple of counterplay touchdown runs from Texas against Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma State adjusted, and they went away from it. Um, Texas is certainly going to see a ton of counter and power um, this Saturday night at 6 o'clock. What do you make of the uh, the game time, John? Well, I know I know K-State was a, a bit surprised that they, it didn't wind up as the big noon uh, kickoff game on, on Fox. Instead, they opt to go with uh, with Texas Tech and TCU, and I believe that selection came down before the the Tech game was even done last night. So I, I don't know if there's any buyer's remorse on that after Tech winds up getting getting pummeled pretty good by Baylor in the end yesterday. But uh, look, I, I, K State, I also know likes it. The football staff likes it from the standpoint of a recruiting weekend. They run into a lot really hard to get recruits into Manhattan, Kansas, which uh, the, the airport, I mean, Manhattan does have direct flights from Dallas. That helps a lot, but it's tough for 11 a.m. games to get recruits in. And as you know, Oklahoma certainly knows, they've complained a lot about the early kicks. A lot of places have experienced that, that it can be difficult to get guys in on official visits. So they're going to have a, a pretty big recruiting weekend to be able to get at least a guy or two in that are big targets that would not have been able to visit at 11 that can at night. I think also it adds to the atmosphere. Uh, that much is pretty obvious. I mean, I love the 2.30 kick. I, I love kind of the classic 2.30 kick time that K-State had last week against Oklahoma State. But I think it adds even more juice when it's going to be a, a night game and a night crowd. So honestly, from like a fan experience standpoint, from an atmosphere standpoint, I like the night kick better, uh, even if it is a bit of a slight that you get passed over for the, the big noon kick uh, game on Fox there. So It'll be jumping. I mean, this is uh, this is as excited as K-State fans have been in a long time. I mean, these last two weeks have probably been the most anticipated home games that K-State has had since 2014 when they played Auburn the year after Auburn played for a national championship. So uh, you're going to get a you're going to get a really lively uh, atmosphere, no doubt, on Saturday. All right. Let's take a quick break here on the flagship podcast, uh, talking to John Kurtz about all things Kansas State. We will we'll come back and talk about the Wildcats defense, which did some heavy lifting against Oklahoma State.
Uh, so don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. John, uh, I'm with you. When I saw Daniel Green went down with an injury, you're thinking, oh, wow, there goes the leader of that level of the K-State defense because there is good leadership on the line and in the secondary. But Daniel Green had proved to be uh, the best playmaker, couple interceptions uh, this season. He goes out uh, in that TCU game, and it sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Uh, but the K-State defense, what? Did they rally around his absence? I mean, unbelievable performance in the uh, shutout of Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think there are a couple things. I think, one, it just made a monster difference to be able to have a week to, to game plan around it instead of being throwing that curveball in the middle of a game. Um, I think they were, you know, they played six defensive backs at times and, and kind of used an extra safety as a, as a linebacker, which, you know, the problem with that is I, I, I fear what that would do to you against Texas and, and the running attack that Texas is going to bring to the table. So that may not work every week, but you can patchwork some things with that. They also, I mean, they, they were forced to throw in Jake Clifton, who's a true freshman, uh, who made a couple of huge plays. He tipped a ball that turned into a Julius Brents interception and really flashed. And, uh, I think that may have been a case where, he doesn't get on the field, even if he he might be ready for some snaps just because of, of their hesitancy to put a young guy on the field that early. But they had to. And uh, and now they know that that he can perform a little bit when he's out there. So um, that that certainly is a part of it. Um, I, and I think just the, the rest of the defense was juiced and ready to go. And they're, they're a lot better at home. I, I guess that's that's the good news for K-State, bad news for Texas in this game. The, the numbers all show K-State is uh, a, a good defense, good enough defense on the road, but they are a great defense at home. Uh, well, they have not forced a turnover, I believe, on the road so far this year. They've that's all what I was going to ask you. All of their league-leading, uh, what, 14 forced turnovers have come in home games? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I was like, I'm pretty sure that that was, that was accurate, yeah. So it, it's been a barrage of them at home and then on the road. Uh, they're, they're good enough, a little more bend but don't, uh, but don't break sort of defense, but uh, all the playmakers seem to really come out at home. Um, and they've, they've got they've got studs really at every level. I mean, Felix Andy DK Uzama, uh, you, you're seeing him mocked in the first round a lot now at defensive end. Um, I think he's the best pass rusher in the league. Uh, he's he's always around there making an impact. And then in the secondary, I mean, Julius Brents might be a first round draft pick at corner. Really long, lanky, uh, great size. He's had a tremendous season. Echo Boydo, the other corner who's been pretty good, I thought played his best game of the year. He got stuck in one on one situations a lot against Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders tested him. He didn't give up anything. Uh, so I think that you just got a better performance. Everybody sort of stepped up, and they were able to craft a game plan around what they were trying to do. I mean, Nick Allen, who's been viewed as a weak point at linebacker on the defense, it was Daniel Green's backup. 
uh, I think certainly played the best game of his career. He's a former walk-on, you know, kind of a typical K-State story that's in there. So, you know, will that hold up throughout the rest of the year? Will he continue to play at that level? I don't know. We'll see. But it, it was certainly encouraging and a, and a nice start uh, for all those guys. And just give a ton of credit to Joe Klanderman, who's, who's K-State's defensive coordinator. A couple of years ago, they lost Scotty Hazleton to Michigan State, um, who, who went there for a seven-figure paycheck. And I think fans at the time were frustrated that K-State didn't try to match that money because he, he had a pretty good year one. And honestly, I think that's been a blessing in disguise. Klanderman, obviously much cheaper and uh, looks like a rising star. He's done a, an awesome, awesome job with that defense so far. Uh, spearheaded a switch from a four-man front to a three-man front last year that has really paid some dividends for these guys. And I think they just all kind of responded and, and up their level of play. One thing I noticed in the Oklahoma State game, at least early, and maybe you know you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like K-State brought pressure on the obvious passing downs and and – with great success. Did you see them being more aggressive uh, in this game defensively in addition to going for it on fourth and 10 offensively? I think, I think a little bit, and I think probably, you know, knowing that Spencer Sanders was a little bit ginger uh, may have, may have contributed to that too. But really the biggest thing is they're just, they're getting great play out of the corners right now, as I mentioned, you know, I mean, I think they felt comfortable leaving Echo Boydo uh, on an Island with, with some of those receivers. And maybe that's a little bit different with a guy like Xavier Worthy, uh, who I think is a, is a better playmaker than what Oklahoma State's bringing to the table outside. So again, that may change a little bit this week, but uh, or Oklahoma State did not seem to want to test Brents at all. Um, and then you get Boydo on the other side. I think that just afforded them that luxury. They also, another guy to watch out for is Josh Hayes, who is probably going to be on some all big 12 lists at the end of the year. He was a midseason. I want to, I think tra all transfer team, someone had him on the all transfer team, midseason all American. Um, he was at North Dakota state, then at Virginia transfers in and he's a safety by trade, but they love using him in the slot. And he basically turns into just a slot corner a lot of the time. And they, they totally trust him one-on-one -on -one too. Uh, climate said, he thinks that he's the, as good as anybody in the country at defending one-on-one -on -one in the slot. So because of that, they, they have the opportunity to really man up sometimes there and, and trust those guys in situations, especially with, yeah, I think Oklahoma state has decent playmakers, but not, not top of the line elite playmakers. So I think it was it was kind of a recipe where they were able to do some of that against the Cowboys. Well, let's stay there because the K-State defense obviously uh, held up well against TCU for a half. Uh, K-State was up 28 to 10 in that game. Um, what, you know, how was K-State playing TCU, who's got obviously uh, probably the most complete set of skill players uh, when you include the running quarterback run game? Uh, but what did you see from the K-State defense in that game and where did it get away in the second half? I think it got away, and, and this is my concern with, with Texas, it got away with Kendra Miller and the, the running attack of, of TCU. Uh, K-State players were as complimentary of, of Miller after the game of, of anybody that they played this season. There was a lot of praise for him, and I think that was just obvious. They didn't tackle very well. I mean, they tackled in space excellently against Oklahoma State this past Saturday. It's a different story against TCU. I mean, a play that stands out – TCU had a third and 17 at one point through a little screen and uh, Miller broke a bunch of tackles, got a first down and it turned into points for TCU and in, in what was a 10 point game, obviously just a crucial, crucial play. And they didn't have the juice to go, to go make it when they needed to. Um, and, and so some of that is, I mean, Hey, just play, play better, make sure that you tackle better. But I think a, a large chunk of that is that they were just seeing a better, uh, a better player uh, at running back there in Miller Oklahoma State had some injuries, obviously, in their backfield. I mean, they were missing their top running back in the game on Saturday, so that makes a difference. Um, and so that, that to me, was really the key. It was Daniel Green goes down, and then all of a sudden you're not tackling in space. Kendra Miller's making guys miss. TCU kind of shifted toward 
going more on the ground outside of the one long bomb to Quentin Johnson. Um, they, they really kind of adjusted how they were doing that. So I, I think that is really where it, it kind of fell apart for K-State. And they've been pretty good against the run for the most part this year. But Miller, probably the best back that they've seen, I guess, off the top of my head. And, and uh, he really tore him up. In the uh, in the first half, there was some, you know, talk about maybe K State lost some momentum right right before the half. Um, can you talk about where you thought it got away, like where the where the offense was rolling, and then it wasn't? Wh- where did it get away from the uh, K State offense? Yeah, it it, it was kind of game situation along with uh, the the biggest K State fans' biggest frustration, I think, after that game certainly offensively was. 28 to 10, they got a fourth down stop, so they get the ball back. You've got an 18 point lead in the ball with like six or seven minutes left before halftime. And uh, that possession, uh, I do, th- I think it was run pass quarterback draw. On third and 10, they went quarterback draw, which was a call that people really hated. Um, I didn't like it much either with, with uh, Will Howard. Maybe a little bit different with Adrian Martinez, who can be more explosive uh, as a runner. Certainly has. Uh, more explosiveness early on, like more burst early on. Uh, Will Howard can really get going once he gets the acceleration moving, but he's he's different than Adrian Martinez in that aspect. And so I thought they got a little bit conservative with that series instead of just continuing to sling it downfield, which is what Howard was doing really well, just layering balls between linebackers and safeties. Um, and they, they did not really attempt it on that series. So that was a chance to really go for the jugular, you know, push it out to an even bigger lead there. When you have all the momentum in the world, um, and it feels like when you're you're the underdog, you're on the road. That's probably a spot where you should uh, you probably should be more aggressive. But in fairness, in case they took advantage of that and scored in the basically the exact same scenario against Oklahoma State um, at the end of the first half on on Saturday, and obviously it, it led to a win. But uh, yeah, that was that was definitely a frustrating part. And then I think beyond that, it was just they didn't touch the ball for a while because TCU gets the ball back, they start going to Miller, they pound it down the field. They score a touchdown right before the half. Then coming out of the second half, they get the ball. So they had that scenario where they get two possessions back-to-back. They go down and score again, and now all of a sudden you're in a totally different situation. Last time you touched the ball, it's 28-10. to Now it's 28-24, and then Will Howard gets hurt, and you have to throw Jake Rubley in for a couple of possessions, and uh, it just sort of spiraled from there. So I think it was getting knocked out of rhythm, TCU controlling the ball for a while there and missing one one chance there to be a little extra aggressive and, and steal another score. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, uh, and and those things you just described, carbon copy of Texas on the road. Um, Steve Sarkeesian trying to protect leads, uh, try to run the football, um, keep things in front of you defensively. And in this league, I think we're finding out you you play not to lose, you just might lose uh, because the offenses are are too good, and uh, and so Texas going to have to find some nerve on the road. Um, John, special teams, you you hit on it. What is the latest situation with the field goal kicking for, for K-State, who has really good returns? I mean, Texas fans are wondering how Malik Knowles still has eligibility. Um, but, you know, you've got uh, – you size it up for us. Where's K-State's special teams right now? Yeah, they've been – it's hit or miss. It's been a mixed bag this year. And obviously that's something K-State usually hangs their hat on, but the kicking situation is the easiest headline there where they have Chris Tennant, who was a really highly recruited kid. I mean, they were very excited to get him. He's got a huge leg, but just has not been very accurate, particularly, honestly, shorter kicks have been more of an issue for him. But even when he's made kicks this year, they've been just by the skin of his teeth and it's, it just doesn't look, 
very smooth or comfortable and has never left anybody feeling very easy, I think, about where he was at. And uh, so he misses a couple of kicks in the game at TCU, obviously, which was a huge factor in a two-possession game. And they finally decide against Oklahoma State. Actually, a couple of drives stalled in the second half, and I was sort of glad to see it happen because they got a chance to put Ty Zentner out there, who has been around for a while, veteran, another really big leg, but he's been the kickoff specialist and punter. So the issue there is just uh, over overstretching him a little bit too much, you know, making him do too much. He's going to have to handle basically the entire kicking duties, um, punting, kickoff, and now kicking field goals. But he looked great. I mean, he kicked two field goals that were pretty short, both under 30 yards, um, but they straight down the middle, uh, really powerful. It just it looked much more like it should look. And you kind of had this like exhale, like, ah, okay. <laughs> Maybe they do have a, a solution to this. And I don't know if maybe they move Tennant to kickoff uh, specialist because, again, big leg. He could probably just whack it out of the back of the end zone. Um, that may be something that they try to do. I'll be interested to see how that goes. But I, I think for right now, it probably is going to be Zentner um, that is that is kicking field goals in the game. Return units have been good. I mean, they've had return touchdowns this year. Phillip Brooks took a punt back uh, against Missouri back in the non-con for a touchdown. He almost took one back on Saturday late in the game against uh, Oklahoma State. So you have Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles, who are both All-American return men uh, throughout their careers. But it just seems like they haven't quite – there's been a couple that probably should have broken for bigger returns than they have so far this year that just missed a few, barely. Um, so still a lot of potential there, but it hasn't been quite as good as maybe what you'd like it to see. Uh, coverage units, they, they've been all right. Uh, nothing really to complain about too much. And Zentner's been a solid punter for the most part this year. So, um, again, hit or miss, up and down, particularly the kicking duties are where the concern, I think, is, is really at for K-State moving forward now. I mean, um, Texas, this is a rare situation for Texas. Uh, Texas has actually won two in a row in Manhattan. Normally we're talking about, you know, some kind of losing streak. Um, but this just seems like a different K-State team a little bit. What do you think is going to happen at quarterback, John? Because Adrian Martinez, uh, by all accounts, it was a real game time decision as to who was going to play quarterback, Will Howard or Adrian Martinez uh, going into that Oklahoma State game. If Adrian Martinez is healthy and can go through a full week of practice, is he still the starter? That, it's a great question. Uh, my guess on how it would go down, or at least my thought on what, what I think they probably should do and what probably will happen is so Adrian, I mean, the biggest thing that he provides and what K-State's offense was pre-Will Howard was explosiveness in the running game. And the best thing that they had going on offense, even as good as Deuce Vaughn was, was Adrian Martinez's legs. You know, I mean, everybody remembers the third and 16 play against Oklahoma where he takes off and scrambles for a huge gain, almost scores a touchdown, puts the game away. Texas Tech, he was, you know, when they needed plays, when it was getting late and it was tight, he popped some huge long touchdown runs that, that got it done for him. It's been his legs that have really carried an offense that otherwise was fairly inconsistent. They really relied on the big plays on the ground game. So I say that to mention that the, the key with Adrian Martinez is he's got to be healthy enough to run the ball for him to really be effective. Uh, his problem early in the year and why they lost to Tulane is because he was so scared of turning the ball over. He was not willing to cut it loose and throw it down the field much at all. Um, they rectified that to a, to a point but everyone made a big deal about it going into TCU. He still has not thrown an interception, which is great, but he's also he's just not pushing it down the field very much. Uh, so I think if you're going to play him, you've got to make sure it's going to have to be a scenario where he is really close to 100% ready to go, and they would feel confident running him a lot. Um, I think a lot of the dismay about the season after the TCU game was thinking like, man, 
if you can't run the quarterback, what is K-State's offense going to be? Well, we've seen now Will Howard can, can throw it down the field, is perfectly willing to, and they are able to execute that. So I would, if I'm them, if Adrian Martinez is not 100% healthy, buy another week and then push the decision to, to next week, see if Will can do it again against Texas. I think he's certainly earned that opportunity. I mean, I probably just wouldn't mess, if I'm the coach, I probably wouldn't just mess with the, the momentum that you have right now with Howard anyway. Um, but especially when you can kind of buy time to heal Adrian up. And then and then if you're looking at, all right, full strength, Adrian Martinez, who can really run the ball uh, dynamically, or a guy in Will Howard who can throw the ball in a, in a much more dynamic fashion, maybe that becomes a tougher decision when you go to Baylor uh, after you play Texas. But that's kind of what I'm anticipating now. I would be surprised if it winds up being Adrian Martinez, especially because I know this injury has been lingering since post-Iowa State. Like this has been – yeah, you know, I think he had a bit of a knee issue after that game that they didn't think was that serious, but then all of a sudden was against TCU when he went out in that first series. So I'm not expecting it to just be like a snap your fingers, he's good to go sort of a thing. And I would imagine that that's, that's going to lead you down a path to where Will Howard starts. I mean, a lot of cool um, little storylines in this game. Obviously, you've got the the Big 12's two rushing leaders and Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn on the field. Uh, you mentioned Felix Anyaduke Uzama who is the big 12's sack leader um, and is what, what makes him special, John? He's, he is incredibly strong and just relentless. I mean, I think, you know, one of the few frustrations to come out of Saturday, I mean, it felt like, and I know this is kind of the, you know, a lot, a lot of fans will bemoan this all the time, but it, it feels like he gets held uh, one out of every two or three snaps. And it, it just hardly ever gets called because he doesn't really flail or try and sell it. He's just trying to basically bowl through it. Uh, and push his way through it, and he's so strong. Um, but that—that's really it. I mean, he's—he can—he can beat you with a with an array of moves too. But he's just a a, a monster and just really strong and powerful. Um, and his motor is the thing that really, you know, when he blew up last year, it was in a game against TCU last year where he had six sacks. The NCAA wound up counting it as four. It would have been a record, but they counted it as four because two of them were forced fumbles. And uh, there was anyway, it was a little hang up in the rule where it still it didn't count as a sack because of how the fumbles got recovered. Anyway, um, he basically had a six sack game against TCU. And what he was doing there was just not giving up on plays. You know, and when a quarterback would when Duggan would scramble around, he would come back on the rebound and get guys. So he's he's not going to quit. He's become even stronger. You just look at him. I mean, he's very physically imposing, just a beast. Um, and so that that has really uh, been the key to a lot of his success. And another just developmental K-State guy. I mean, he. He almost he, he'd like to tell the story. He uh, out of high school was almost going to just enroll at Mizzou and not even play football. Um, he he very limited offers for him. And K State at the last minute decided to offer him a scholarship. He was really skinny, tiny, and is absolutely just ballooned in terms of size and, and become a beast. And it's it's a pretty typical K State story. And now is is probably going to be a guy that hears his name called in the first round of the draft. Yeah, no, it's it, he's fun to watch. Um, when you look at this game. How do you see it playing out? Where do you think K-State has the advantage against Texas? Um, you know, what do you think this thing's going to come down to? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I saw the the early line coming out as a pick em, and I, I can't I can't really debate that too much. I mean, it's a hard one for me to figure out because, you know, I mean, you, you can't throw out the comparative score game. I mean, I understand that both of these teams just played Oklahoma State in, in their last game, and you can do that. I mean, I, I would throw that out for sure. Um, just because college football is so different from a week to week basis. And again, I, I you know, I think most of us um, in the K-State world, certainly those that I talk to on, on the media front, 
have been looking at this as a bad matchup for K-State for a while. Not not real crazy about this, especially after the the injuries that K-State has suffered at linebacker and, and having to think about tackling B. John Robinson. Um, so I, I don't, to be honest, really like it from a matchup standpoint. I mean, I think Texas has so much skill and athleticism, and, and K-State has plenty of it, especially relative to a typical K-State team this year, but not, not at Texas's level. Um, but, again, it's at home, and I think that just makes such a massive difference for this team this year. They've been – Outside of the Tulane game, uh, who, by the way, Tulane's now in the top 20. Uh, but outside of that game, just they've just been excellent. They've been excellent at conference play at home. And uh, I think with a night game and a really juiced-up crowd, that is going to help them out a lot. Um, and it's just they – even as well as Adrian Martinez was playing and as much explosiveness as they had in the running game, I, it feels different to me with Will Howard and the way that he is throwing the ball downfield and they're able to utilize some of those playmakers at receiver uh, much more so than they were. It feels like they're just getting more out of the offense instead of being more of a one-trick pony and relying on Adrian to go make something happen with his legs. Um, so, I mean, I really like where K-State is heading, but I think this is the toughest game that they have left on the schedule, to be completely honest. Probably pretty close with the game that they have at Baylor uh, coming up after that, but uh, I'm pretty conflicted. I mean, I was pretty sternly in the camp of I, I feel like they will lose this game before the Oklahoma State game. Now, obviously, I'm shifting back a little bit more, but it's tough for me to get a real feel on this. And, and to be honest, again, they're just the matchup, the matchup really concerns me, uh, particularly the Texas offense there and what they can do. Yeah, I I thought that Texas would perform a lot better uh, against Oklahoma State's pass defense. I mean, dead last in the, in the Big 12. Um, and Quinn Ewers with – a finger injury and 23 mile an hour winds couldn't connect uh had one of his worst passing days do we know early what the weather <laughs> is gonna look like up there in manhattan at uh at six o'clock on saturday night it's actually a good question I, I have not looked at that yet and i uh anybody who knows me in my life would not be shocked in the slightest about that i'm always the guy that shows up like without a coat when it's pouring down rain uh so I, i'm not the greatest at checking that in advance i, I think my hope would be make it as cold as possible. You know, I mean, I, I think most of us typically think like, all right, if you're going to bring Texas here in November. I'd like that to be really cold and, uh, you know, get you know, people would perceive Texas to not be uh, as tough to handle scenarios like that, situations like that. Uh, that's what I would hope. But I, I, to be honest with you, I do not know. I don't know what the what the weather is going to be there. I can I can pull out my phone real quick, I guess. Nope, check I'm, I'm checking know. it real quick. OK, um, just going to look at the 10 day right now. We're looking at. Uh, Somewhere between 60 degrees and 44 hmm. yeah. degrees, 40% chance of rain. Saturday okay. Night, as of right now, right now being uh, Sunday, Sunday night, we're recording this. Um, John, you know, any other storylines you think are important that are standing out right now for this K-State team? You know, I mean, I think really just the, as it pertains to, interest to a Texas fan in this specific matchup, maybe not so much. I think really what's happening a lot right now globally with the, the K-State program is that they they are slowly on the come up here. And I think the COVID season in 2020 really set what Chris Kleiman was doing back a lot in recruiting. They couldn't bring kids on campus. I think they have a much better time selling recruits on campus when they can get them there because you think K-State, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, you don't think there's a lot there, but there, there really are great facilities, tons of fan support. And I think it, it blows people away when they actually get there on campus to see it. So they got hurt by that. They had locker room issues. They had a bunch of transfers that year and uh, they've made it a point to really rebuild the culture 
And I think they're just reaping some of the rewards of that now. I think they have better program depth, which you saw again with the injury issues and being able to withstand that and go and pummel Oklahoma State the way that they did. They're recruiting. They're in the midst of their best recruiting class in a long time right now um, with some really high-profile kids in state. So uh, I think you're just seeing this program sort of ascending right now and, and a lot of this work that they've put in over the last couple of years coalescing. So K-State fans kind of feel like this team, this is definitely the year that they could compete for a Big 12 championship and that they're on the precipice of doing something pretty special um, and if they win this game against Texas, I mean, they're going to be in a great spot to get to Arlington to play for the Big 12 championship by having a tiebreaker then over Texas and handing Texas a third loss. They've got a tiebreaker over Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, you, then you're starting to zero in on like, all right, K-State TCU, the rematch in Arlington potentially here. So there's a, there's a ton on the line for K-State. Um, and I think this is really where it's like you're, you've been waiting for Chris Lyman to get over the hump. They have to a certain extent so far, but this would be uh, a really, really big next step. Uh, for them and where this program is kind of ascending to right now. Yeah, because the games remaining for K-State after Texas are, what, Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia? Yeah, they've got to go to Baylor and West Virginia, and then they get Kansas at home the last game of the year. And so, I mean, none of that's going to be easy. I mean, I, that, that Kansas game at the end of the year, after watching the way that they've fought and scrapped their way through, I mean, they you, it's like, it seems impossible to blow them out. They're going to have a lot on the line. They'll probably have Jalen Daniels back. Maybe it's playing for full eligibility. So, yeah, I think – Honestly, all three of these games could be pretty tough uh, after Texas. So it's it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But again, I view this as the biggest hurdle uh, that K-State has left, knocking out Texas. Well, John, I will, uh, I will say I picked K-State to be in the Big 12 championship game before the season. To me, it looked like a one-year window of everything coming together. If, if Adrian Martinez was going to be good Adrian Martinez, and he certainly – has been um, before he got injured, uh, averaging six yards a carry and has nine rushing touchdowns. Bijan Robinson has 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, and and I liked the K-State defense with the leadership. And, you know, based on what you're saying with the corners ability, they can play man, they can load up to stop the run. Um, this is going to be a fascinating matchup. And right now, I don't know how Texas is a one-point favorite when they've lost five uh, true road games in a row. They they have to prove it to themselves that they can uh, win a true road game at this point. And uh, and it sounds like it's going to be cold and maybe wet in uh, in Manhattan on Saturday night. I think it's fascinating. Really appreciate your time in and uh, taking a look at this one. Thanks so much. Hey, absolutely. Really looking forward to it. All right, John Kurtz, KC Sports Network, and follow him on youtube john kurtz just look for his uh his posts and subscribe uh thanks everybody for listening uh we'll be we'll be talking all about texas k-state this week and uh and so until next time we'll see you over at horns 247.com until then stay safe and keep the faith Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.